0: Have you tried M&M's caramel yet? Caramel has been square for too long and M&M's is doing their part by giving you that familiar flavor in a package you love surrounding the smooth caramel in delicious milk chocolate. As always, M&M's knows how to bring spontaneous fun just like, I don't know, all the spontaneous fun we get every week on Succession. Do you ever really know what's coming with that show? So it's just like, bang. Succession is an M&M in a lot of ways. With M&M's Caramel, we can all agree that caramel is more fun than ever. Go grab some M&M's Caramel today and let your taste buds go for a ride. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal is proud to serve over 8 million members including active duty military, the DOD, veterans and their families. You'll receive a lifetime of membership benefits with Navy Federal and you can easily access accounts, transfer money, pay bills and deposit checks with the Navy Federal mobile app. Visit navyfederal.org/watch for more information. Call 1-888-842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app message and data rates may apply. I need sports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining you today, it's just me. It's me and Kaya. I'm calling in from my mom's house in Philadelphia. So shout out to my mom. Shout out to Philadelphia. It's humid here. And we are going to talk about Succession in a little bit with Jason Concepcion. It's the audio from our Succession After Show, Number One Boys, which you can watch every Sunday after the East Coast airing of the episode of Succession. Last night was a banger, and me and Jason talk about that extensively. You can watch us on Twitter on the Ringers. Well, actually, it's on the WatchPod Twitter feed, I believe, on Sunday nights. And then you can also catch us on YouTube. So whichever for your viewing pleasure you want to do. Every Sunday, I guess at like around 7, it goes up. On the East Coast. So check that out. And it was an amazing episode of Succession. And it kind of hit me last night. Kaya, I've been out of the office for a few days traveling. So I've had a lot of time to catch up on stuff and get ahead of stuff. And we're having kind of an amazing little TV moment right now. Here are a couple of things I'm watching right now. So we've got Succession. Obviously, one of the best shows on television. Having a remarkable second season, which is often challenging for some shows. That's buttressed by Righteous Gemstones on Sunday nights, which I thought had its best episode last night, which was a flashback episode that featured young Walton Goggins. It was still played Baby Billy Freeman, but played by Walton Goggins, and a lot of it had to do with the sort of the Gemstones matriarch character played by Jennifer Nettles, uh, Amy Lee, and there was just an amazing musical sequence in it. It was hilarious and was also like really heartfelt, and it was a real like extra gear for that show that I didn't even know that it had. So that was awesome. And also, you know, the Deuce is back. So you've got those three shows on HBO. I think people are still catching up with The Boys and Mindhunter, which were exceptional shows. Mindhunter was, I think, it's going to be hard for it not to be my favorite show of the year, but I'm, I'm open to anything happening. But people are catching up with The Boys. People are catching up with Mindhunter. You've got Righteous Gemstones, The Deuce, and Succession on HBO. And then two new shows that I just really, really, really wanted to recommend, one of which is Unbelievable, which came out this week on Netflix. And Kai, I know you watched a couple episodes of this too, right?
1: Yes. So this weekend, I did not watch Succession. I have not seen any Righteous Gemstones. Still working on Mindhunter, but I did watch five and a half episodes of Unbelievable. Five and a
0: half. So I watched three. So for people who don't know what this is, it is uh, a show from Susanna Grant, who wrote Aaron Brockovich and is a TV screenwriting veteran. And she worked with Michael Shabon and Iolette Waldman on the scripts for this show, which is based on reporting that was originally published by ProPublica and the Marshall Project. And it chronicled the hunt for a serial rapist in Colorado and Washington between 2008 and 2011. And the show itself stars Caitlin Deaver as a woman named Marie Adler, a young woman named Marie Adler who's the victim of rape. And these two extraordinary performances from Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver as the investigating detectives in these different counties in Colorado who find out that there are some similarities, some through lines between their cases that they're working on and they they join forces to try and, and find this perpetrator. And... Um, there's a lot of different ways we can unpack this show, Kaya. Uh, Why don't you tell me actually, first, like, what did you think of the episodes that you saw?
1: Yeah, so I I was assigned to read the story that this show is based on back in college for one of my journalism classes. So I already have a little bit of familiarity with the plot itself and kind of like understand the beats of it. Oh, that's
0: interesting. So you're almost looking at it as like an adaptation.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but
0: I that's interesting yeah
1: yeah but I mean I really enjoyed it as much as you can enjoy content like this Um, so yeah I watched five and a half episodes I'm at a half because it was like 12 a.m. last night and I was like I need to go to bed and I'm not gonna be able to sleep if I watch any more of this as a person who is living alone in a one bedroom apartment I was like "Mm, I'm gonna turn this off now right Um, I can imagine. I mean, but I would,
0: would you say, I was wondering about this, like, I watched it with my wife and we were kind of like, we were a little bit hesitant to like dive into it just because, you know, you get to the end of a week and you're sort of like, well, what, what would be enjoyable to watch? And I found it very, like, obviously, trenchant and uh, demanding, but not necessarily punishing. Like, it's not exploitative at all.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think it has a lot of, like, moments of lightness that make it a lot more watchable than something, say— I think it's the most obvious comparison to this show. is probably Mindhunter, right? Because they're both yeah, Netflix. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. Yeah, so they're both Netflix. They're both, like, crime dramas, like, procedurals. And I think the difference here with Unbelievable is, like— I think Tony Collette brings a lot of like comedy to this, almost in a way that still feels respectful to the story.
0: Yeah, well, in a lot of ways, I mean, so Merritt Weaver and Tony Collette are complete revelations in this show, and I would recommend it to anybody listening to the watch who's like enjoyed some of the crime stuff that we've talked about in the past. Give this this show a shot. The the characters sort of show up in succession over the course of a couple of episodes, so it really isn't until. Episodes three and four, when you really have like the full mix of, of of actors on screen at any given time. But that being said, like if you're a fan of detective fiction, if you're interested in cop dramas, uh, Colette and Weaver are amazing in this show. The humanity that they have, but also the rough edges, the humor, like Kai was alluding to. It's just like this incredibly nuanced and new read on kind of the old detective buddy cops trope and they're not even like buddy cops like they're just detectives trying to work through a system and meanwhile Caitlin Deaver's character Marie Adler is trying to make her way through a system that's basically turning her from a victim into a perpetrator. I mean they're they're charging her, she gets charged early on. This isn't a spoiler really. Uh, you can tell something bad is going to happen from the trailer. She gets charged with um false reporting. Right. It's basically she's lost in the bureaucracy of a post foster care life. And it's really like about how if you get trapped under the foot of the state like that, like your life can become a living hell to say nothing of if you go through something as traumatic as a sexual assault like that. You brought up Mindhunter, Kaya. I thought that was really, that's a very apt comparison. Not only because obviously the platform is the same, but in some ways I feel like Unbelievable kind of completes the circle with Mindhunter. Mindhunter is essentially concerned with Investigators trying to understand the minds of killers or criminals.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Unbelievable is far more interested in investigators essentially trying to understand and empathize with, but also find justice for the victims. And I think oftentimes, like when you're watching a crime show, the victims can be uh really they're really manipulatively used in shows. Like you think about like broad church, you think about the, Andy and I have talked before about like the bad news relay, like how you'll know something bad has happened to a character and it gets really drawn out so that you are like the emotion is sort of ramped up and ramped up and ramped up so that when this person finds out what you already know as a viewer, it's like that much more tragic because you've, you've been anticipating it for a while. That kind of stuff doesn't really happen on Unbelievable. It's very naturalistic. A bunch of the first episodes are directed by Lisa Cholodenko I think Michael Dinner comes in and does a few, and Susanna Grant does one at the end. But for the most part, it shares a certain sensibility with Mindhunter in that it feels like the dialogue could be pulled from case transcripts. Like, it's not very stagey. It's not very theatrical writing. It's very, very matter-of-fact, which might be kind of surprising if you know the fiction of, of Michael Shabon and Islet Waldman, but it really sticks to the facts. Did you find it to be a particularly accurate adaptation?
1: Yeah, you know, I did. And, like, I think the way they handled showing kind of step-by-step step how, especially with the case of Marie, like, unfortunately, in within the justice system, like, this is something that happens a lot more than you'd like, where a woman goes to report sexual assault and, like, just the way that it's handled makes her feel that she doesn't have a safe space to report. And so I think it did a really good job of, like, you know it seems like insane that she would like want to recant her accusation but I think the show makes you able to understand like why she decided to take it all back cuz she's like I just want my life to go back to normal.
0: Yeah and 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 the normal that she had wasn't that good. You know the yeah. normal that she she says that thing where she's like my whole life there's a line in the show where where Marie says like my whole life has been about things that uh, adults want from me, that's things that they want to do to me, things that they say to me that are just like terrible. Like, how is it that crazy that I just wanted to get out of this situation?
1: Yeah, and I think the show does a really good job of sh- drawing a parallel of like a rape case that's handled really well and a rape case that's handled really poorly. So, like Marie's case is handled poorly. The male detectives aren't respectful of her. They keep making her want relive the trauma over and over again. The nurses aren't very, like, they're just trying to get through their job. And then I believe it's the second episode with the second case where you yeah. are introduced to Merritt Weaver's character, and she's, ex- like, an extremely sensitive detective, and, like, also, I think, really Im- importantly, she's a female detective. And so she goes out of her way to make the victim feel comfortable, and she, the nurses are really nice, and, like, it just draws a parallel where... The same thing can happen to two people, and because of like where they are and like in no fault of their own, the case can go in two completely different directions.
0: Yeah, and the juxtaposition of those two cases is is really where I feel like this show starts to take flight, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of The Wire, which did such a good job taking uh, obviously depicting things that were happening on both sides of the law, but showing the similarities of the bureaucracies and the infrastructures around those environments. This show does this with different ways of handling criminal behavior and victims' rights, right? So when Marie goes through this process with these male detectives, everything is about, like, expediency, about kicking the tires on whether or not she's telling the truth, about not wasting their time. They're always saying, like, my job is to protect the public. and if you're taking away from that time, like if we have to sit in this interview room talking to you, that's a waste of our time unless you're telling the truth. And then basically, as soon as the the case presents any challenges, then immediately like resort to the idea that she's making it up. It can't just be that it's a particularly remarkable case. It's just that, oh, no, it couldn't be because it doesn't check these five boxes, it can't happen. Whereas when Merit Weaver gets involved, when her character gets involved with a case in the second episode, like Kaya's saying, it's never explicit. No one ever comes out and says, well, because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a female detective, I obviously have like a lighter touch with these things, or I understand the psychology of somebody who's been through this. She just does her job. She just does her job in a different way. And the sensitivity and the warmth with which she treats the victim, and also the curiosity with which she goes through the case... Even though she's just as demanding as the male detectives, even though she's just as uh, exacting, and even though she also is, cares about expediency and efficiency and making sure people are doing their jobs, it's just about like their goals are just slightly different. And I, you know, I can't recommend this show m- more highly. I mean, it's, it's such a great accomplishment on its own, but it's really interesting if you've come off of watching Mindhunter to get this kind of 360 view of things.
1: Yeah, this is honestly probably one of my favorite things that Netflix has put out in a while.
0: It's also like a testament to good job spending your money, Netflix. Like, this is just like a really interesting show about a really important topic done in a really respectful way. Like, just nice job, guys. <laughs> they, they do you, Netflix. Of, yeah, like you guys can just spend a billion dollars on Seinfeld, but just make, make sure you still do stuff <laughs> like this. And you know what? This isn't, the thing is, I will not say that this show is not like eating your vegetables, though. Like, it's not homework. It's it's gripping. It's like really, really good crime drama, but it's also it's also really important stuff. So, the other show I wanted to talk about before we get into succession, Kaya, was the show Undone.
1: Right. I've seen a lot of people comparing these two shows this weekend. Yeah, well, I
0: think just, I mean, like, they both have, uh, obviously, they have female protagonists, and they, they're both on these streaming services. They both came out this week. I think they both are testaments to what you can do on television right now that you certainly can't do in the movies, that there's really no room for this in the movie. I would say that both of these shows, there's this... um, We did a Rewatchables 99 about this movie, The Insider. Uh, I I would hope a lot of people listening to this have seen the movie, The Insider. It's this Michael Mann movie from 1999. And in the movie, Christopher Plummer is playing Mike Wallace, the 60 Minutes journalist. And he has a line when he's describing these people, one of whom he's about to do an interview with on television that's going to be a huge scandal. And, And he says, somebody's making fun of the people. And he says, they're just ordinary people under extraordinary pressure. And that is my favorite kind of drama. I mean, we talk a ton about superheroes and Star Wars on this show for good reason because we love it and also because it's the sort of coin of the realm right now and it's what's driving this industry is that kind of franchises about superheroes and about space and about the the almost this escapist kind of entertainment. But great drama comes from depicting ordinary people under extraordinary pressure. You get that in Unbelievable and you get that in Undone which is this I'm breaking my no drawing rule here by recommending this, but this is one of my favorite shows of the year too. It's created by Kate Purdy, who's been working for like 10 years as a writer on TV and, and worked on BoJack Horseman. And the creator of BoJack Horseman, Raphael bob Waxburg, they created this show and it's directed by a guy named Hisko Holsing. And it is rotoscoped. So rotoscoping is a style of animation, I guess that you would call it, where essentially you take Actual filmed footage and then do animation over it. So this was most notably used, I, I guess, for me in two Richard Linklater movies: "Waking Life" and "A Scanner Darkly." And I would say that that "Undone" has a little bit of Linklater's kind of lost at sea philosophizing, and "A Scanner Darkly," which is this the other Richard Linklater rotoscoped movie, is based on the work of uh, Philip K. Dick. And I, I think Philip K. Dick actually is also an influence on Undone as well. So the show is about this woman named Alma, uh, who is a hearing-impaired daycare employee, who is just kind of trudging through life that is so repetitive and normal that it's becoming almost unbearably boring to her. And she has a fight with her sister. They live in San Antonio, and she has an argument with her sister. And she gets Alma gets into a car accident. And she goes into a coma, and when she wakes up, she can see she thinks she can see her late scientist father, who is played by Bob Odenkirk. And he uh, died years ago and is sitting in her hospital room and is like, you have a special gift, and I want you to use that special gift to investigate the circumstances around my death. His death had been thought to be just a car accident. He's claiming he was murdered. Turns out her special gift may be time travel. And over the course of the first few episodes, she starts to explore those powers all while also kind of sifting through the wreckage of her own personal life, which includes a romantic relationship with the guy, a sort of tortured relationship with her mother, putting back the pieces of her relationship with her sister who's engaged, and kind of also trying to figure out her place in the world and whether or not it's better to live live a boring, unexamined life or a tumultuous examined life, I guess. And there's a lot of stuff in here. There's a lot of of stuff that they start to unpack with this show— It's a family drama. It's a detective story. It's science fiction. I think it's like a star-making performance for Rosa Salazar, which is sort of strange to say about a rotoscoped production, but what happens is basically they're doing stuff with the rotoscoping animation that they never would have been able to afford, I don't think, in a regular television program. I don't think that they would have been able to do the special effects necessary to depict time travel in the way that they are in this show, or at least Alma's experiences of time travel and that's not to say that they couldn't have done special effects or vfx to do that but it almost wouldn't have been as effective because what happens with this rotoscoping is that the special effects feel like an extension of the reality whereas most of the time when you're making a non-superhero movie that involves special effects the special effects feel tacked on they feel special in some way, in a way that kind of takes you out of the story, but that never happens with Undone. You always feel like you are in this weird, slightly altered version of San Antonio. They do these little details about San Antonio that are so fascinating. If you've ever been there, you'll recognize them. And Rosa Salazar is so good in this thing as somebody who has to act as, like, the audience avatar for, you know, the person who's constantly, like, what is happening? What is happening? I don't understand what's happening to me. But also as the, um, almost her own antagonist, because a lot of Alma's behavior is self-defeating. She has a lot of unforced errors, a lot of self-inflicted wounds. So she's almost the protagonist and the antagonist in this this show. And I, I just think it's remarkable. I can't wait to see where it goes. I've watched five. We'll talk about it again once people have maybe had a chance to see all of it. But uh, it's, just, it's just such an interesting show. And one of the things that gets, that gets into is whether or not Alma, who may or may not be dealing with relatively significant, some significant mental illness issues, and whether or not she actually is gifted with these essentially powers, or whether or not this is an extension of her illness, or whether it can be both at the same time. So both those shows, that's a lot to watch right now. That's undone, unbelievable... Gemstone Succession, Deuce is back, Boys is great, Mindhunter is amazing. That's a ton of stuff to watch.
1: You heard it here first, Chris Ryan liked animated TV.
0: I know. Who can believe it? (laughs) You love to see it.
1: Uh, Standing up for people
0: who love drawing. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have the audio from Number One Boys, the Succession After Show that I do with Jason Concepcion. That's on every Sunday at 7 o'clock on Twitter, on The Watch Twitter, and on YouTube. And uh, you, you can listen to that audio here. We'll be back on, with that on Sunday. Thursday, I'm hoping to have a pretty cool guest, maybe from the Succession world, tease, tease. But until then, thanks for listening. Let's get into my talk with Jason after these messages. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Kroger General Stores. Did you know that one in eight Americans struggle with hunger, yet 40% of food produced in the U.S. gets thrown away, and a lot of that food waste happens at home. When food waste is sent to landfills, greenhouse gases are released, so it's a problem for our planet, too. Think about this. If we redirected just one-third of the food we waste to people in need, we would more than cover the unmet food needs across the country while helping to protect our planet. That's what Kroger is doing with their Zero Hunger, Zero Waste Foundation. Last year alone, Kroger donated 325 million meals to local food banks, and they've got some great tips to help reduce food waste at home too. It's all part of their goal to achieve zero hunger and zero waste by 2025. Check out Kroger.com slash Z-H-Z-W to learn more. That's Kroger.com com/zhzw Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Pepsi. There are a lot of things to celebrate in pop culture these days, and Pepsi can take all of your celebrations to the next level. Whether your favorite show returns for a new season, your favorite director releases a new movie, or your favorite band drops a new album, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. I'm actually on the East coast right now. So I need a little bit of a pick me up over the course of the day when I'm watching football. Cause everything's starting later, but you know, I was getting all jacked up for uh, Sunday night football last night with the Eagles. And I just had myself a lovely Pepsi to have with my dinner. And it was just like smooth sailing through the rest of the night. And it made me so excited for Carson Wentz and the Eagles to come on and then they lost. So that made me less excited. Pepsi is the official sponsor of the NFL, by the way, reminds you, always be celebrating. Welcome to number one, boys, a succession after show from The Ringer. Oh, yeah. This is Jason Concepcion. Uh-oh. I'm Chris Ryan. We are here to talk about succession season two, episode six, Argestes. Argestes, the northwest wind that blew
2: Jason and the Argonauts to the land of the Amazons in well, search
0: of the, uh, the Golden Fleece. The Golden Fleece, the
2: Golden Fleece vest. The G fleece, as we talk (laughs) about in investing circles.
0: We're going to get right into buy or sell because we had a really rich text this week Mm. and Jason and I are moving our money around a lot. It's just a fluid time right now. We're not entirely liquid, but we'll get back to that. Right, right. But we so, can we can slurp it up if we need to. What I want to buy this week on Succession is the Ideas Conference. Oh, fucking it. Davos. So Aspen, our jesties is obviously like a stand-in for Sun Valley, Davos, the kind of things you're talking about, Jason. But uh you know, this we hadn't seen this before yet on Succession and it was a really great rendering of this great. environment. I wondered how many liberties they were taking, but you know, I went back and I actually yes read some old David Carr columns from Hell yeah. uh, back in like 07, the late great David Carr, and he used to write the Deal Book blog for the New York Times among many other things that he did. But uh, his dispatches from Sun Valley in Idaho in 2007 are pretty much succession... With, without the Logan Roy throwing up at the, at the breakfast table. It's the
2: altitude. It's just getting it's just dim. the altitude. It's just it's very just tough. digestion.
0: It's the, it's the heat lamp too. But, so Sun Valley is where you get all these moguls from tech, media, big business, finance. They're all gathering together to try to fix the world's problems. Obviously, succession is, is lampooning that. But based on what, like, you can read about these events, they are a super casual, pretty, like, everybody's loosey-goosey walking around. There's a couple of events, but like, you will see Rupert Murdoch, Eric Schmidt, you know, yeah. you know whoever at a at a breakfast table right. chopping it up Oh, man, is that the
2: Zuckerberg playing Jenga?
0: Yeah. No, that's the kind of environment it is. So I thought that they did that really well, and it was also, I was buying how each character has a very specific relationship to it. Yeah. It's like, yes. Roman is too cool for school, Nan is just thinks it's completely beneath her, right. uh, Tom is consumed with whether or not like the yes. lanyard he's getting is the perfect lanyard. Did I get the cashews that I wanted? Yeah, was it the fruit and nut box, or <laughs> oh, the, or the champagne the- box? So there's all these events, and stuff like that. But like, Succession is so good at coming up with these reasons for all these people to be yes. trapped with one another. And this was a great one because they've got a ticking time bomb with this story that's coming out about the cruise line and they need to get this deal done. So it turns almost into like kind of a heist movie. It's
2: wonderful. I really love that shot of. Kendall coming into Argestes and surveying like a landscape of all his enemies. You know, all the people who have a reason to put a knife in his chest.
0: Sandy's there, Stewie's there. They're all there just
2: waiting for the moment that the Roys and Kendall slip. Really smart to get like...
0: You know, we 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 will talk a lot about Stewie on this episode. We lament the lack of of PT for Stewie. Yes, but the fact that a Stewie is just like there at these like random times is like the perfect way to build the world that of dude. the show. Yeah, like, like the guy from Volter was at our jesties.
2: I Hey, listen, uh, new media,
0: cutting edge.
2: <laughs> I like it. Kendall likes it. What it's are you good. What are you buying? I'm buying um, Schadenfreude. Overall, as the thing I'm buying, the Roys are under pressure. As as we just noted, all their enemies are assembled here, and they would just love the opening to pour some shit on Waystar Royco. But I think I'm going to buy... Uh, more than that, I'm buying Rockstar and the Mole Woman. Yeah. <laughs> so we get another wonderful Roman and Jerry moment uh, in this episode. And a little different this time. Roman comes to Jerry's room with an offer saying, hey, I'm the out front person, the rock star, the wild Tarzan running around with my tiny little dick out, uh, (laughs) making waves, making news. I'm stupid, but also everybody's looking at me. And you are, you know, you're like, I think he says something like, you are like an extremely efficient and quiet filing cabinet. You make the numbers work, (laughs) but nobody ever notices you. What if we team up? You're the CEO and I'm the chairman, or you're the chairman and I'm the CEO, whatever it is. What if we got together and made this work? Because, as Roman does note, she is actually on the papers if Logan should die this very minute. And she was
0: like, I don't think anybody would take that seriously, but still. But
2: still... Legally speaking, there is a basis for Jerry being the person who would be handed the keys, at least in an interim basis.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that segues right into what I'm selling this week, which is Shiv and and Kendall. Yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily call this a critique of the show. It's just a question I have of the show, which is what happens in these sort of intervening moments between the interim moments in between episodes. Yeah. And episode four, Safe Room, we're left with this incredibly tender moment between Kendall and Shiv. Where Kendall is like, it's not going to be me who's going to be the heir to the throne. And I would just hope that if it's you, you look out for me because like I basically need taken care of. And somewhat in episode five and especially in episode six, it just feels like that's like really kind of. That's fallen away. That's right. fallen away. And they are back at each other's throats. They are back being territorial with one another. Why yeah. is she on this call? Right. Why didn't I get invited to this conference? I'm not going to yeah. do this. If he's going to do this, you know,
2: step back. You don't know. You don't, you're not involved in this on a day to day basis. You don't yeah. know what you're
0: talking about. And that comes to a head when they're trying to decide who's going to go on stage and do the panel talk to respond to the New York Magazine article. But I kind of want to know what happened there, if yeah. anything did happen. Because if it's like maybe Kendall has had second thoughts about whether or not he's so giving with magnanimous with his what he seems to be thinking is his inheritance yeah we
2: also don't know like what his drug mixture was at that time sure you know like yeah, what, what or is what, now where he is on the cycle yeah. of like using and not using and coming off of it we also don't know how much time has passed as we noted before like i would love to know how much time has passed in yeah own. i think there's
0: probably a way to map it out like seasonally and there's like references i think nan references a date yeah to to Rhea later in the episode. we'll talk about that in a bit. But, you know, I think that it would be kind of... I'm kind of curious to know how much time has passed from four to six and whether or not we're supposed to intuit, yeah, like, there was this moment, but it's pretty much disappeared and Kendall is now back on his bullshit. Yes. Or whether it's, like, should we consider the idea that Kendall and Shiv are working a long game? What do you have for buy or sell?
2: I am selling Rhea Jarrell. Ah. She got got, folks. Folks, we got her. (laughs) Pour out a bottle of your most expensive wine. Don't even hyper decant. I'm just going to do Voss water. Is that okay? (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Pour it right out into the street because Rhea, as the point of contact between the Pierce's and the Roy's, was involved from the very start of uh, this proposed deal Mm -hmm. by Waystar Royco to acquire PGN. And she has been pushing that deal with ever-diminishing subtlety as Logan is raged, get this going, get it done, at least get them to sign a letter of intent. And it culminates in her calling Nan, urging her to come to our Jesse's against Nan's will, and finally... That seemed to raise the warning flags for Nan. Whether it's, um, the, the suggestion that, well, can't we uh, just sign the letter of intent today? That seemed to set something off for Nan. Nan got on a phone call with the family after having a phone call, after having a discussion with, with, um, Rhea. And they gave Nan the power to do whatever she saw fit. And then somehow she came to the realization that Ray she has obviously had dealing. her investigated. Yeah, she, had, she, had, she, had it, she knew her cell phone she's calls been, and everything. She's been double dealing. She was at Waystar HQ at that time, sometime in the past, talking to Logan Roy, and she comes out with it at the end of the episode is like, did you ever have a discussion with him? Mm. Like, before we had our discussion? And Rhea can't even hem and haw. She just hits her with it. Oh, you, is that... Are you trying to figure out something that your lawyer would tell you to say? Right. So like, She says, I can't recall, right? Yeah. And it... And it Results in Nan asking for her resignation, and surely lawsuits to follow. Yeah, and that. the
0: parallels between the Pierce's and the Roy's continue. Nan obviously views working for her as an act of uh, you're in the family, right? That's and it. so she distinguishes Rhea by saying, in this, in much the same way that Logan has done to Frank, or done to a number of people over the years, is by saying you know, you don't work for me, you work for yourself. And that is actually just like objectively like, well, yeah, most people do. But it's that outsider-ness that Rhea kind of was using as leverage. And at the same time, it obviously came back to bite her in the ass. So that's buy or sell. Who do you have for number one boy this week? Oh, man. Because I think it's actually a pretty competitive field this week. It's a really competitive field. Personally, I'm going to go with Nan for that
2: eye-opening moment where she realized, hey, these people don't have my best interests. She
0: also is just like flexing on Logan the whole time where she's like, I can't make a decision." until i yes. order it it's
2: i have to eat i can't with a menu open in front of me i simply can't make a decision yeah oh gosh hello sir what kind of water do I, I need five kinds of water i'll just have whatever water you'll have yes okay sorry logan are you waiting on something you seem upset uh can and then we have the le- end
0: when she's just like she gives him like the yeah. straight up blue bu- blood just, dressing down just the br- and the b- hard brush off yeah so get, your, get your dirty
2: mitts off my company i'm
0: out of here sir I, Good day! I think that the only other per- competitors really is probably Shiv. Because yes. Shiv just like pers- perfectly enters yes. the controversy and rides it to a moment of ascent, you know?
2: And, and really interesting uh, moment and performance from Shiv. Because on the one hand, she very clearly does not want to be the face of this looming controversy on Cruises, which... She knows all about mm-hmm. because of the debrief that she had on her wedding night from Tom. So she knows she in knows detail how bad it is. Where the bodies are buried. Yeah. And they're in the ocean. <laughs> yes. yeah, it's, a, it's a sea yeah. burial. Yeah. God. So she knows how bad it is and clearly is like, well, if I'm going to be the face of this, I need to ride. The payoff that, needs to be Right. The payoff total. needs to be I have some. I have some power. I have some juice after this, so, and it, I think that she
0: has accomplished that. There's one disturbing factor about this. Yeah, is that there's one, there's two ways to kind of try and take over for Logan, through him or despite him. Right. And she seems to be going somewhat of the path that Kendall went down last season, which is I will do this with or without his blessing. Right. And so she gets up on stage. She's like, I'm going to handle it. And she makes the dinosaur crack. Clearly pointed, even though she would. Oh, oh! Uh, I,
2: I think I made it very clear
0: that that was not. She's about, also. Yeah. Like, this is like the couple episodes in a row where Shiv's just like, "Can't you take a joke?" Basically, right. like yeah. she screws the pierces. She's, she's like, she's she really pushes it. So let's we'll split it this week. Number one, boy one A goes to Nan. One B goes to Shiv. Let's get into our biggest burn of oh, the week. Oh baby! This is a special edition of biggest burn oh. of the week. It is all Stewie. Everything. My guy came off the bench, did like 16 points in eight minutes, three for three from behind the arc. Some Flip Murray stuff it out was here just from like, Stewie. That's the kind of game you get a Lynn three-year Sanity. contract off of. Stew Sanity. It was Stew Sanity. <laughs> that's what it was. The Knicks are back. Give me some of the best Stewie. Stewie
2: Hosseini, Kendall's one-time friend, his Coke bro and former Bear hug co-conspirator. He's back, baby, after an extended absence. We're going to talk about the Big Burn. But he really comes Three in. Layers. It was like just, a seven layer dip. Just comes in throwing those like necky and <laughs> shurikens where it's like, I'm laughing at this, but simultaneously I'm analyzing my own morality. Like if I should be laughing at this. Yeah. The first one. So he greets Kendall with daddy's boy. I hear your staff are all killing themselves now. <laughs> A reference, of course, to the ATN staffer who shot himself in the building, thus causing a lockdown. That was awful, but I guess also factually correct. Uh, uh, so sure. on the merits, I don't know. I guess we have to give it, give him that one. Then there is after the cruise news breaks, thus imperiling the PGN acquisition, which Kendall mystifyingly had bragged about to. Stewie, like, can't why? Can't help himself. He can't, why, can't help himself. Why are you even mentioning it, dude? Anyway, Stewie comes up with. <laughs> he says, "Well, I guess if you did have something going on, you know, like deal-wise, it's kind of dead in the water, right? Like some <laughs> of the women that went on those cruises. I mean, also, he does it with the turtleneck on. With the turtleneck on, like, drop the mic." The mic falls into the ocean, sinks to the bottom of the ocean, into the Marianas Trench, There's and is flesh. Like, down there who can't see because they can just sense where they are. That have been alive for like 5,000 years and have never been seen yeah. by humankind. And eventually the mic is like swallowed by a Cthulhu. That's like <laughs> what a savage and morally bankrupt burn that was. It was so wrong. And also like, I was laughing at it incredible stuff from stewie hosseini
0: our burn of the week and really the burn of the series burn of, maybe burn of the series maybe burn of the series the stewie number burn of the week for line of the week oh man i, I i'm gonna go with tom <laughs> yeah I, that's it tom can make anything seem super wholesome it is the yeah. genius of this character that he is often drinking his own semen Chee- you know, backstabbing different <laughs> members of the Roy family, making moves within uh, vaguely right-wing news media. Oh man! But he always makes it sound like he's like made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and is inviting you to come over and hang out. <laughs> so my favorite line was, "You don't hear much about syphilis these days. Very yeah. much the MySpace of STDs." <laughs> so sincere to Logan Roy about that. What was your line oh, of the wait, week?
2: I just picture like uh, that. You know that that iconic picture of myspace tom like sitting at his <laughs> desk only he's got syphilis
1: <laughs> you we know, cool references with syphilis. on this episode um, to <laughs>
2: it's myspace tom with i syphilis. briefly want to bring up tom's uh tom during his talk going what is the news it's new 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 news <laughs> news Unbelievable shit from
0: Tom. I'm gonna go. I love that he had the the mic the, the the face mic. Those are such a bad beat. The Ted, man. <laughs> the TED Talk. Nobody ways, has like, ever crushed it wearing that mic. No
2: one ever in the history you of anything. Who didn't use that mic, John F. Kennedy? You know who else? Jesus on the mount didn't <laughs> need one of these. Martin Luther King, no mic. No mic. No face mic. Here's, so when you're doing a TED Talk and you're stop like, it. this is why everything we think about this, it's like just shut up. You can't drop one of these. You need a stick. Yeah. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Greg responding to Tom after this. So they're trying to figure out, like, what's the what's the catch line of Tom's talk going to be? And it can't be we're listening because they figured out, like, the set-top cable boxes that ATN produces actually are listening to what people say. So they come up with uh, we hear you. Mm-hmm. So Tom says we're listening, we hear you. It's the same problem, isn't it? And Greg, it's maybe less active. It's more... Couldn't help glimpse you changing unless we put a spy cam in your <laughs> shower.
0: <laughs> oh boy! That's line of the week. Let's get into finance one hundred and one. Oh, thank God. Look, there's short term, and then there's long term. Well, there's there's some medium term. A right? little
2: bit of medium term, but like you know, I, I I I play on the
0: extremes. So you're just threes or layups. It's yeah, it's suckers in the medium. And term. when he says threes, That's he right. means three hundred. We're talking three hundred years. We're talking centuries. Millennial planning. That's right. What what is the earth gonna look like when it is just the crust is left?
2: I'm thinking of what my children's 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 children are going to need from their investment
0: portfolio. Right, because they're just gonna be ones and zeros in a you know, a disused jewel. So they're, they're just going to be it. floating in space in a jeweled cartridge, and that's going to be your your family member. Here's a here's our tip, straight from the number one boys
2: to you: fresh water, buy it and and e six. That's right.
0: Let them eat cake. It's the crazy rich moment of the week. Uh I we've referenced this in the cold open, but I really really enjoyed. I'm going the, with this one. Too. The Airbus cultural and leadership walk. <laughs> like you had to have your walk in the fucking woods sponsored by airbus yeah like what what are you talking about <laughs> like, why does airbus need to sponsor that it's not even in the air it's not flying it's lo- just a guys walking by a creek it's
2: gotta be sponsored by something i also love the one guy who's like yeah the trees and the stream like we've got to preserve all this so we're thinking you know airbus what if we bought it and then charged for people to come see it you know and then it's the nature is preserved you know what fucking rules
0: too leadership youtube I get into like these, like kind of deep yeah. dives, like sometimes we're like, fuck yeah. I just watch like a hundred Dabo Swinney videos. I love that. And shit. he's like, it's all about struggle. That's right. And then it's like a nine minute video of him just repeating the word struggle and being like, my struggle to win my assignment. Your struggle to beat your man. Our struggle as a community to beat Alabama, and it's like, and you just realize like like this is nonsense, but people think he's like like and they're like oh my god, hold on a second. The Buddha of South Carolina, it's pretty good stuff. You should get into leadership YouTube. Uh, it's an offshoot of coaching YouTube. So cultural uh, leadership walks. That's our crazy rich moment of the week. I love it. Predictions.
2: Um, I believe that there is some kind of coup coming. Whether it's Roman and Jerry together, Roman, Jerry and Shiv, Shiv and Kendall. Shiv, solo. Shiv, Kendall and Frank. Yeah, Shiv solo. Shiv Tom. I think Logan is beginning. He's got, you know, like he's saying stuff that is out of pocket and he's looking physically weak and, you know, he's looking more and more in Shiv's words like that dinosaur as the meteor is coming in.
0: Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? I think the time is now. To strike. The, the the wild card that you didn't mention there also is Sandy and Stewie? Yeah, the proxy fight's not over. They could still come for the for to take over. Syphilis is treatable. Syphilis is it's it's like the, the, what they're doing with drugs right now is amazing. It's just like you put some like amoxicillin
2: on that, and it just fades the cream away. in the clear. We could have like saved French impressionism if we had that back then.
0: <laughs> We'd still have those beautiful twilight beautiful. sunsets. Uh, Yeah, I think Sa- Sandy and Stewie are coming back. Yeah, they're because coming the back. because they if they can't buy Pierce, that's right. Unless that guy who had loafers made out of human rights activists, right. young MBS, whoever that guy was, who was just like the news, but but independent, but positive. positive. Uh, unless that guy comes back with a huge check for those for 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 Voicestar, I think it, they're very vulnerable right that's now. Right. It's just a matter of which if any, Roy winds up coming over. So we'll have to keep an eye out, but the coup is coming. We will be back next week after the East Coast airing of Succession in all the usual places, YouTube, Twitter, etc. For Jason, I am Chris. This has been Number One Boys. 300 years. That's right. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal is proud to serve over 8 million members, including active duty military, the DOD, veterans, and their families. You'll receive a lifetime of membership benefits with Navy Federal, and you can easily access accounts, transfer money, pay bills, and deposit checks with Navy Federal's mobile app. Visit NavyFederal.org slash watch. For more information, call 1-888-842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app. Message and data rates may apply. Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by Pepsi. There are a lot of things to celebrate these days in pop culture, and Pepsi can take all of your celebrations to the next level. Whether your favorite show returns for a new season, like Succession, your favorite director releases a new movie, or your favorite band drops a new album, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. I drank Pepsi yesterday while watching the Philadelphia Eagles play the NFL football. I drank Pepsi as I was re-watching that last night's episode of Succession. I might go to the movies today and go see once upon a time in Hollywood again and have a Pepsi while I'm at the movie theater. Pepsi goes with anything. I will say that Pepsi, the official sponsor of the NFL, reminds you to always be celebrating.